to that harmony all day long, actually. It was really good. Is everybody doing good? Everybody doing well? Yeah? Are you, do you feel revived after an extra hour of sleep? Yeah? The only people that aren't revived are people with preschoolers. Because a preschooler wakes up at the same time, regardless if it's an hour, you know, whichever way it goes. You like the spring because they'll sleep longer, but the fall, maybe, maybe not so much. But nonetheless, some of you haven't had preschoolers in a long time. Me either. I just know. I just know that that's how it, how it goes. Um, <laughs> I got a book. It's called The Complete Beginner's Guide to Swimming. Yep, I can't swim, so I thought maybe I'd pick this up and learn a little and get some tips on how to do it. So uh, chapter two is called The Fear of Swimming, The Fear of Swimming. And the first line here says, why are people scared of swimming? My answer, because they're scared of water. So I can skip that chapter. Oh, come on, that was good. Skip that chapter, go on to something else. In fact, the back of the book says, inside you will find real questions from real beginners learning how to swim. I would like the back of the book sometime to say, you'll find fake questions from fake beginners. Wouldn't you just love to see a book like, okay. Questions like, why do my legs sink? Well, because you're not made to swim. Fish are, that's why they, yeah, okay. Why do I get water up my nose? Well, because you breathed while you were underwater, right? Like currently, I'm not getting water up my nose. There are sometimes though, you drink a bottle water and something happens on TV and it's funny and then it comes through your nose, but that's not up your nose. You know, it feels real good when it's Pepsi. Have you ever had Pepsi Cub? Oh, that hurts. That makes you go like this. Why do I get so tired? Because it's exercise. That's, that's why you get so tired. And it says, each one with a detailed and personal answer from the author. That, that makes you feel like, wow, this guy, Mark Young, really cares about these beginning swimmers. So anyway, yeah. Um, chapter three is swimming science. That's really easy. We're not made to swim. We learn to swim or we'd be born somewhere else. We're land animals. I don't know if you know that or not. We're land animals. I'm not saying that I'm an evolution. I'm just saying we are made to live on land, not water. It does talk about buoyancy, and it says that people that have more mass are more buoyant than people that don't have mass. <laughs> At least they didn't say fat people. <laughs> You know, they're, they're trying to do that. When you get to chapter 5, and this really tickled me, chapter 5, it's entering the pool. Okay? Now, I'm going to read you an excerpt from this. Um, it says this. Before entering any swimming pool, it is important to establish which end of the pool is the deep end and which is the shallow end. Okay? They're not done. Mr. Young says, 
If you are unable to establish the water depth at your chosen point of entry, then ask the lifeguard on duty. If I was to go to our lifeguard at the pool that we're a member of, and I've never been in the pool, okay, and say, hey, which, where is the deep end? My lifeguard would look at me like I'm crazy and then point, do you see that diving board right there? That's the deep end. This side over here is the shallow end. It's, it's that simple. I just thought that was interesting. If you are unable to establish the water depth, if you're unable to establish the water depth, you should not even be thinking about getting in the pool. Right? Yeah. So there you go. All right. So this is our uh, last um, sermon on prayer. And uh, there's been six of these. And there are some things that I was not able to develop a sermon on, but I felt like that we kind of need to think about them as we wrap up our series on prayer today. So here's a couple of statements that I'm going to give you before we get into the main message today. Here's the first one. You can make the most extravagant request you can think of and still fall short of God's capabilities. Is that not an amazing statement? I don't know where I picked that up. I wrote it down real quick as I was studying. It came out of a book I was reading or or a commentary. But you can make the most extravagant request you can think of and still fall short of God's capabilities. You can pray for the biggest thing that you can possibly think of and still you're not even close to making God feel stressful about answering your prayer. Wow. Wow. Here's the next one. If you only pray when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. Yeah. Next. Prayer is like an atom. When it is split, it has endless possibilities. Your prayer time with God has endless possibilities because you're serving a God that has endless possibilities. Great statement. Here's the next one. The things you take for granted, someone else is praying for. Let that sink in. The things you take for granted, someone else is, is praying for. So let me, let me just say this, okay? I, th- I think that many times we are not as grateful for what we have as we should be, okay? Now, I pick on people that have their Christmas tree up right now and are listening to Christmas music. It's all in good fun. So I, I just need to say that. I'm not talking to anybody out here, Grace, that has their Christmas tree up in the room, Grace, but, but I'm, just, I'm just saying, okay, I'm just saying maybe we should think about Thanksgiving. I'm just, I'm just having a little fun, okay? So I'm having a little fun with that, but here's what I do know. I don't know people's hearts, right? But if you're putting up your Christmas tree and you're not thankful for what you already have, there's a problem. If you are looking forward to Christmas because you get something, you get something, you get something, and you're not thankful for what you have, there is a big issue. You can put up your Christmas tree, you can listen to Christmas music, and I think you're fine as long as you're thankful. You need to be thankful for what you have. In fact, you need to be so thankful for what you have that you're not even worried about getting anything this Christmas. Because there are people that are praying for the things that you have taken for granted. And they're literally scattered throughout the entire world. We are so blessed in this country. So blessed. If you drove here this morning, you're in the top 3% of the world that has a vehicle. 
to get somewhere like that. That is a blessing. If you ate before you came here this morning, if you had breakfast this morning and it was on your table, that's better than a lot of people had in the world today. There are people literally across the world praying for food, and sometimes we take our, our food for granted. So don't do that. Be thankful. Things you th- take for granted, someone else is praying for. Here's the next one. <clears throat> no man is greater than his prayer life. No man is greater than his prayer life. Now, with that in mind, turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. <clears throat> Daniel is in the Old Testament, and I generally have trouble finding Daniel, even though I know he's after Ezekiel. But Daniel chapter 6, and while you're turning there, I just thought maybe I'd share a little bit more out of my book here, The Complete Beginner's Guide to Swimming. Um, This book has 16 chapters, 16 chapters. I want you to note the title of the 11th chapter. You ready for this? Title of the 11th chapter? The title of the 11th chapter is How... And when to breathe. (laughs) To me, I think that chapter should have been earlier. Much earlier. Because you're going through all this underwater, standing up mid-swim, how to float, how to relax in the water, get a jacuzzi, um, how to glide through the water, how to swim, and then it gets to how and when to to breathe. (laughs) I just think that... That, that's, that's funny. Okay, chapter 6. Um, before we dive into chapter 6, does anybody in this room have chickens? Chickens at their house? Good? Yep. Yes, you do have chickens. I've seen pictures of your chickens. Yeah, if you have chickens at your house, they're what is called free-range chickens. They're free-range. They can walk in your yard. They walk in your little pen. They're free-range chickens. There's a big, big push to eat just free-range chickens and not the ones that they put in a building to grow, you know. Look, I, I'll eat in either one of them, okay? Um, I don't know if the people know this or not, but we kill the chickens at the end of the day, which is not good for their health. <laughs> in fact, free-range chickens is kind of interesting to me because my mother, when I was little, Um, the chickens at my house would be all over the yard, but one day, for whatever reason, because we needed to eat, she would actually grab a chicken and do this and break its neck. Now, I want you to picture that if you you have feelings for chickens. Here's this chicken, wakes up like any other day, roaming the yard, just walking around, you know, gets grabbed by the neck and boom, dead. How awful is that? Free-range chickens. Here's why I bring this up. A lot of us free-range our prayers. We're just free-range prayers. There's no structure. There's no set time during a day. We just say we would just pray whenever we feel like it. Now, I'm not going to tell you this morning that you shouldn't free-range prayer, because I think you should. I think you should uh, free-range your prayer life. I think, I think you should have some times that are not scheduled where you talk to God. And it could be random. Like when you're in, in a traffic situation on the interstate, and there's a bunch of people around you. You ever been in that? And there's a couple of cars. They're not changing lanes, but they're changing lanes. 
They kind of come over a little bit into your lane and then back over into somebody else's lane and they're doing this thing. And when you're in a traffic situation where there's four or five of those happening, you know something bad is going to occur because these people are either on their phone or concerned about something in their car. They're not concerned about driving. Are you tracking? So that's a moment that I encourage you to free range pray. Lord, get me out of this particular situation. I do not want to be hit by one of these people. That, that's when you free range pray. But if all you do in your Christian life is do this free range praying thing, you're, you're missing out. And it's really, it's really not the best thing for you. In fact, structured prayer times during your day is what you need to go for. You don't need to just free range. You need to free range and have a set time where you spend talking with God, just you and him, a set schedule. It could be in the morning before you go to work. It could be in the afternoon right after you eat lunch. It could be in the evening sometimes. Sometime during your day, you take a moment, you, just you and God, and you pray for a little while about concerns that are on your heart, and you talk to him about his word, and you just have a good time in a relationship kind of conversation with him. It is the only way that you will consistently pray and get to know God. Free range has, has a tendency for you to miss days of prayer because you're just doing it when you feel like it. But, but a set time is, is very important. In fact, when I say this, I, I know that there's some people that say, well, isn't that legalism? Well, I think in Christianity, we've gone from, you know, this legalism that we don't want to be about with rules, and we swung over here to passive legalism that says we're not going to do any type of rituals. But Scripture teaches us there's some rituals that we need to have in order to keep our relationship with God the Father. And one of those rituals that it teaches is prayer. And a set prayer time should go with free-range praying. In fact, free-range praying is in addition to your set times of prayer that you should have every day of your life. Daniel, in Scripture, is one of the people that is marked by a structured prayer life, and it made a difference in his life. So Daniel chapter 6 says this, <clears throat> And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 governors to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these governors should give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and governors because, of an, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. The high officials and the governors sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could not find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So a couple of things about this. First of all, King Darius is now the third king that, um, or the king and kingdom that Daniel has served under. In fact, a case could be made, it's the fourth and he'll wind up serving under another kingdom, a fifth, King Cyrus, here in the future. So Daniel was taken from his homeland, where he was under a king, 
He was taken to Babylon and under King Nebuchadnezzar. And then when Nebuchadnezzar went out, right, a new empire came up and that was Belshazzar. And Belshazzar's here and he has his kingdom. And then you have Darius, which is another kingdom. And so you had this, you had this power, uh, power defeated, power rose, power defeated, power rose, power defeated. And here is Daniel, and he has remained consistent through all four of those political kingdoms. How did he do that? Well, Daniel did it because he prayed three times a day to his God. He was serious about spending time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And whereas four kingdoms came to power and went out of power, the kingdom that his God ruled never went out of power or control. This is significant, ladies and gentlemen. It's significant because I'm concerned that we have Christians that put, put too much faith in who's in the White House or who's in the government system, the Senate, or the House. Too much faith in that. I am not preaching this morning that you should not vote. I think you should vote. I think you should be concerned about who's in the White House. But there's some people that are so concerned, they're worried about it, they get upset about it, they yell about it, they just get all in turmoil about it. And if you are that way, you need to check your prayer life. You are spending too much time watching the news and political news, and what you should be doing is spending time with God in a set time where you are praying to him because he, at the end of the day, is really who is in control. President of the United States is not really in control. That power has been given to him by God. The people in the government, Senate and House, are not really the people who are in control. They've been given that power. It is on loan from God. God has a set plan and something that he's doing with those people up there that sometimes that we don't completely understand what he's doing. And if we become so concerned and sweating and, and doom and gloom and all that kind of stuff, we need to check our prayer life and make sure that we're spending time with the God that really is in control. Here is Daniel who lived under a king in Jerusalem that was horrible. That is why Jerusalem was judged. The king was wicked. There was no justice. But Daniel prayed three times a day. He went to Babylon and Daniel disagreed with the king of Babylon and some of the things that he was doing. But the king of Babylon respected Daniel and Daniel continued to pray three times a day. Belshazzar brings Daniel to interpret a writing on the wall, and it's a writing of doom, but he respects Daniel and makes him second in the kingdom, the shortest uh, stint of his authority, Daniel's authority ever in scripture, because the kingdom was taken over that evening, right? But Daniel stayed solid because what was not being shaken was the kingdom of God. All the other kingdoms were being shaken. And then he took Daniel and he put him with Darius. Now, Darius loved Daniel. Daniel and Darius didn't meet eye to eye on everything. But he respected Daniel and Daniel was a man of character 
because Daniel built his life on a relationship with God, and that relationship in a huge part had to do with the prayer time that he spent with God every single day. And he was known for it. He was known for it. Check this out. Verse 3, Then Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and governors because an excellent spirit was with him. You can underline that, and in the margin of your Bible, if you write something there, I do sometimes, you might not. But you could write, You become who you hang around. And if you're spending time in the presence of God consistently three times a day, guess who you're going to become like? God. You're going to become like him. You're going to start thinking like him. Your heart is going to be like his heart. You're going to desire the same things that he desires. When you spend time with God, you start to see the world through God's viewpoint. That is the spirit that was with Daniel. That is what is being referenced here. And guess what? The king, that was a heathen, recognized that spirit in Daniel. And it was a good thing. So it continues. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. This is wild. Daniel is a captured enemy. And his reputation was so good... And God was with him so much that the king was like, I need him to be over my entire kingdom. That's pretty remarkable. Verse 4, then the high officials and the governors sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. No error or fault was found in him. Let me ask you a question. If someone started investigating your life could they find the same thing of you? That there is nothing that you have done wrong. There is nothing that can be brought to light that would, um, that would change the way people view you. If, if your life began to be inspected like they inspected Daniel's, could it be said of you, we can't find anything, we cannot find any fault with those people um, because they're faithful, and there's just no fault in them. Every action that they do is good. Every action that they do is, is like noble. I, I can't find anything wrong with them. Can that be said of you? I'm telling you right now, that should be our goal as Christians. We should live our life in such a way that you can't find fault with us. Like they can look for it, but they just can't find it. That is the type of testimony that we should have in the world. There's no fault within them. We've looked for it, but we can't find it. And this continues to say, Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So what they decided to do was, Hey, Daniel prays three times a day. We know that. We know he does. So what we're going to do is we're going to approach the king and we're going to convince him to do an edict for 30 days. We're going to butter him up, right? We're going to sell our product and he'll write an edict for 30 days that you can't pray to anybody but him. And then we'll have Daniel because at that point, there'll be a law of the land that Daniel will have to follow 
And we will have him because he's not going to follow. He's going to pray. And the day that he prays is the day that we're going to be outside his window waiting with a group of people to arrest him and take him to the king. So the king wrote this edict. And he said, hey, uh, I want everybody to pray to me. So let's pause here a moment because I know you know the story. But let's pause here a moment. What do people know you for? When people use your name, my name, do they say, that is a guy that studies the Bible and prays? Is that the first thing that comes, comes to their mind? That is a man, that is a woman that studies the Bible and is really serious about their faith in God. Is that something that they say of you? Or is the first thing that they say of you is, my dad never misses a football game. My dad never misses an opportunity to go to the golf course. My dad never misses um, an opportunity to, or my mom never misses the opportunity to go out on Black Friday and do her shopping, right? My mom never, never misses the opportunity to try a new recipe. She loves cooking. Is that what they say of you? Or do they say that, no, they are a man and woman, of God. Now listen, I'm not speaking against watching football. Okay? I watched football last night. Purdue and Michigan State. Is anybody see that game? Nobody? Because nobody cares about them. Right? Because it's Yankees, and I'm not really sure where Purdue is. <laughs> I know where Paducah, Kentucky is, but Purdue. Anyway, it was a great game. It was tight, number five seed unranked seed, and Purdue won. It, great game. Enjoyed the game. I'm not saying that you can't golf. I'm not saying that you can't be known for cooking. But what I am saying is they, if they don't, in addition to that, know you, first of all, for your walk with God, there is a problem. If they don't know you at all for your walk with God, like I don't think dad ever prayed. That's a problem. I don't think mom ever prayed. That's a problem. I never saw my mom open the word of God. That is an issue. That's an issue. If you are known for everything else but Bible reading and study and prayer, there is an issue with your walk with God. You need to spend time in the word and you need to pray and the people closest to you need to be able to say that of you. Your children need to see you reading the Bible. Your children need to see that prayer is important to you and that mommy had set times where she prayed. Not set times where I'm really trying to get rid of, away from the children. But set times where she was spending time with God in prayer and talking. You need to be known for that. Daniel was known for that. Daniel's enemies knew that. Of him. Our enemies know the same thing, don't they? Right? They know where to get us in our faith. They know where to attack us in our faith. That's great. That should continue. So Daniel, unless we find it in connection with the law of God. So he wrote, Darius wrote this like law, and in verse 10 it says this. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber 
open toward Jerusalem, and he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. You know what this doesn't say? This doesn't say that Daniel saw that the document became a law, and so he said, uh, you know, I'm just going to be smart about this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go in my inner chamber, I'm going to close all my windows, and I'm going to still pray to God, but I'm not going to risk my life praying out in the open like everybody knows I, I do. He didn't do that. Instead, because it was a habit, because the King of Kings and Lord of Lords was so real in his life, the windows were open, he knelt down, and he prayed. And I don't know if you know anything about windows back in those days. When you spoke, your words could be heard outside. So he, with confidence, with no fear, no shame, no concern, got on his knees and he prayed because prayer is that important. His set times of prayer was that important. Does anything stop you from praying? I can tell you one thing that stops me sometimes is I fall asleep. Do you ever fall asleep praying? Am I the only, the only one that does that? Sometimes I, I close my eyes and I'm just gone. I, I feel like the apostles in the garden. I, I completely get it. They, they fell asleep. They were tired. Sometimes you're just tired. That does stop me from sometimes. But does, does something else stop you? Does your busyness of your life stop you? Does, does what you want to watch, the game you want to play on your, on your device, the text that's coming in that is more important than you talking to God, the phone call that comes in that you have to take, is there things that are more important to you than actually sitting down and talking to God the Father? I am in a stage of life where I have a daughter that is up in Lynchburg, Virginia, and I love her. So what I'm about to say, I'm not trying to down her or anything like that. I love her. But what I do wish is that she would call me a little bit more often. And if you have children that are gone from your house, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They don't you don't get to see them as often. Why don't you get to see them? They're not living in your home. And you would like for a phone call to happen to you. You'd like, oh, hey, Aurora, how you doing? Oh, you didn't call for money? That's awesome. <laughs> right? So, so you're, what are you doing up there? Oh, oh, you're doing that? Great. And just hear about their day and hear what's going on. Your heavenly father wants the same thing from you. He wants you to spend time with him every day and do life with him. He wants to hear from you. And every day that you don't talk to him, he's up in heaven. Man, I, man, I wish I, I could have heard from Philip. I wish I could have heard from Bob. I wish I could have heard from, from them. But, but they haven't prayed in a while, you know? And he really wants to hear from you. So when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows open in his upper chamber toward Jerusalem and he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Guilty. 
So I'm just going to say this. If I go down, and I go down because I preach the gospel, praise the Lord. If I go down because somehow or another I was praying and I wasn't supposed to, I'm going down. If I was supposed to not go to church, I'm going to die and get arrested in church. Here is Daniel, and he has the same attitude. Why? Because he spent time with God the Father who is really in control three times a day. That's what he did. I am going down serving God. I know him. I know him. And I think we all should have that same type of attitude. We pray and we become close to him. So 12, they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or any man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, uh, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And you know the story. They go get Daniel. They bind him. The king doesn't want it to happen, right? He doesn't want it to happen. And they take Daniel and they place him into the den of lions and they roll the stone over and they seal it with the king's ring to show that it's not going to be opened. This is not said in scripture. There's no record of Daniel, any scripture that says Daniel was scared and concerned for his life. I bring that up because I realize, and you realize too, that the word of God is honest. And if Daniel had been scared and concerned for his life, guess where it would have been written? Everybody else's is there, right? So here's Daniel who has spent time in prayer with God, knows who's in control, and he's not concerned for his life as he is placed into a lion's den. Hungry lions. And they placed him in there at night. That's when lions feed. So Daniel gets placed inside this lion's den. He's already played twice that day. I'm sure he's prayed twice. He can't open his windows toward Jerusalem. But it's my belief, this is not in scripture, it's just something that I, I think. I think that he's there thinking, oh, it's time for me to pray and then I'm going to go to sleep. And I think in the lion's den, he offered up to pray to, a prayer to God and then he went to sleep. He wasn't even worried about the lions. Now, you might say, well, the lions were not hungry. No, that's incorrect. When Daniel gets out the next day and they throw the three people in, their bones don't even touch the ground before they're eaten completely. Those lions were hungry. It is the miraculous power of God that saved Daniel from the mouths of the lions. And Daniel wasn't even concerned he went in, he slept, and he was just fine. How, I mean, I, I know, Philip, you're saying three times a day, but how do you get there? Because when you spend time with God, 
and you love him that much? Death is just another way to physically get closer to him. And if you've talked to him every day of your life, so what if the lions eat me? I'll be with the guy, the God that I've been talking to and have envisioned my entire life what he looks like. I will finally see him as he is and talk to him face to face. How great will that be? Church, how great will that be? Is your prayer life to the point where you are like, I cannot wait to get there to see him? I've already been in his presence. I haven't been able to see him. I've already been in his presence. I cannot wait to get there to see him. Is your prayer life like that? It should be. It should be. So, this is not the Bible. But chapter 1, it is amazing the parallels between chapter 1 and the benefits of swimming, and the benefits of praying that we have, right? So, first benefit of swimming. It improves your heart and lungs. You know, when you pray, it improves your heart. You spend time with the Holy God, it improves your heart. And it makes you breathe better in this life. So what if tomorrow there is, there's bad news on the TV? So what? My God's in control. I'm going to breathe easy today because he's in control and he knows what he's doing. I'm concerned about it. I might even be upset about it, but I'm not going to get to the place where I'm worried about it because I'm going to breathe easy and my heart is in the right place. Here's the next one. Muscular strength. You know, when you exercise, you improve your muscles. When you pray, you improve your spiritual muscles. Your faith increases. Okay? Here's the next one. Flexibilities of your joints. I don't know what that means. I, I've read it. I have no experience with it. I, flexibility of your joints. I have a brother-in-law that has been coming. He comes to the 930 with his whole family. And... Um, he used to be called Gumby in high school because when he wrestled, you couldn't pin him. He would dislocate his shoulders so his shoulders wouldn't go down, and he would pop out around them and pop them back into place and then, and then pin the guy. Can you, can you feel that in your 40-year-old bodies? Right? Popping, popping back in. He was called Gumby. Flexibility in your joints. So I, I don't know what that means, but this is what I do know. When you spend time with God in prayer, it doesn't matter what this world throws at you, you're flexible. You go with it. It just happens to be the challenge of faith for the day. And I'm gonna adjust to whatever this life throws at me because I know that God is with me because I spent time with him in prayer. You're more flexible when you spend time in prayer. Improved body shape. I don't have anything for that one. I've seen all shapes of bodies pray. <laughs> uh, big, small, fat, tall. Yeah. Injury rehabilitation. You swim, it rehabilitates, you know, what, what is injured. You know what prayer does? 
it heals you. When you're sad, it brings you comfort. When you're worried, it gives you strength. When you're down, it brings you up. Prayer has the ability to heal your injuries. When you've hurt something physically, you pray for it to be healed and God, God touches it. Um, just because he's sitting on the front row, uh, Carl went into Baptist, some heart, he had a heart event. Well, it turned out he's fine. He came out, not even a stent placed in there. I believe that's an answer to prayer. In my little mind of mine, I mean, my God could have already solved the blockage problem and he didn't have to go through the stent being placed in. That's the God I serve. And he's here this morning and we're thankful for that because God answers those prayers. Here's another one. It relieves stress and tension. Swimming relieves stress and tension. Guess what prayer does? It relieves your stress and your tension. You're stressed about something, you're tense about something, go to God in prayer because he's the one that can do something about it. And then you leave it there and it relieves that stress and tension. The next one is swimming during pregnancy. I have no idea how that relates to prayer time. I have no time. Add it. And then finally, the best benefit of all is fun and enjoyment. Fun and enjoyment. Have you ever viewed your prayer time with God to be fun and enjoyable? It can be. Not only is it a privilege to go to the Lord in prayer, it's also a lot of fun. Maybe I'm the only one that has fun when I pray. Maybe God isn't having fun, and I'm kind of clueless to that. But there was just something, I forget what it was in, that was written in the Bible that I was reading through uh, in my devotions. I forget exactly what it was, but I laughed at it. And I laughed and, and told God, you know, that was an interesting way to put that because it, it kind of, you know, it's just funny to me. And then I apologize because I didn't want to be disrespectful to his word. Do you know what I mean? But every now and then you just, you just have some fun. So, so Lord, why did, you put this, why did you put this particular story in the Bible and just kind of have fun with it? Or, Lord, did, did you see that person? Okay, so don't get, don't get mad at me, anybody. Okay, this happened to me this week. And I had this conversation with God. I was coming from the dentist and going down the road. Forsyth Hospital is on my left. And there was a guy in a van with a mask on all by himself, and he ran the stoplight, the stop sign. I'm sorry, he ran the stop sign, didn't even stop at the stop sign. And I thought to myself, mask, but you don't stop for safety. Oh, come on, that's funny, right? That's, that's, just, that's just funny. And he's alone. He's alone. Can we just all agree you don't need to wear the mask alone, Okay, can we just all agree on that? Disagree. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm just saying if you're a load, you're okay. It's your breath, okay? Every breath I take. Okay, great. It's just your breath, all right? So, and I laugh with that with God. You enjoy that with God because I believe that those are experiences that he places in your path to bring you joy. And he knows it's going to bring you joy. He knows your warped sense of humor and he puts things in your life so that you can laugh at those particular things. It's a good thing. Do you enjoy your time with God? Sometimes 
in, in, my, in my prayer life, when I'm praying just all by myself, I'm like, man, Lord, what, what an awesome, what an awesome day. What an awesome day this has been. There was kids riding up and down the road, just having a great time. It was great to hear Max. Like, I'm really grateful that Max, the German shepherd in the back of my house, hasn't got into my yard yet, right? There's, there's just things there's just things to enjoy about God. You, you build a fire out back in your little fire pit and you sit there and, and the fire is burning and the colors of the trees this season and you're just like, man, Lord, this is, this is extremely enjoyable. Thank you for all of this. Thank you for the fire. Thank you for the trees. Thank you for the moon that is beautiful gorgeous. Just enjoy God's creation and enjoy being with him. Have some fun. I know I scared you last week about approaching God and, and you should be very reverent. And I still believe that you should be very reverent. But at the same time, God wants you to enjoy his presence. He wants you to enjoy what he has given you. He wants you to enjoy that. So do that. Pray. Um, I can't swim. I can read about it. But reading this book doesn't make me a swimmer. In fact, it goes through some pictures like, See those? You can't see those pictures. It has pictures in here of how to do the strokes and stuff. I can look at those pictures and think about those pictures and have the knowledge about those pictures, but never enter a pool and never know what it is to enjoy swimming. Don't let that be the way it is with your prayer life. Do not allow prayer to be academic, something that you know should be done. Just do it. Set a time to pray. Set a time to spend with God. It's completely safe. He's provided that for you and build that relationship with him. That prayer time with him will make you a better person. In fact, I would submit to you, it will turn you into the person that he has created you to be. Don't miss out on that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the stage you've given us. Thank you for this message. Thank you for Daniel. Thank you for rituals. Father, you knew that we needed some habits in our life or we would forget the things that really matter. And I think I'm praying for everyone in this room. We want our relationship with you to matter to us. We desire to spend more time with you. Father, today, there's some in here that need to make commitments to say, I free range prayer way too much. And I need to make a commitment each day to spend time with you. And I pray, Father, that they'll make that commitment and then once they make that commitment to spend time with you, I pray, Father, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll keep the evil one 
from bringing distractions into that commitment so that commitment will not happen. I pray that you hold him at bay so that they can get that habit in their life started on a regular basis. I pray, Father, that as we do this and as we talk to you, that there's prayer times when we become special times in our day, times that we look forward to. Father, I'm thankful that the only thing stable in my life and everyone in this room's life is you. You have a stable kingdom that isn't shaken, a stable throne room, and you're not going to be dethroned. You're always there to talk to. And we're thankful, Father, that we can enter into our prayer time and spend with you in such a way that the shaky lives that we are living find solid ground at your feet. Do not allow the evil one to convince people that prayer is just a waste of time. Or do not allow the evil one to distract us from doing what we need to do in our relationship with you. And Father, we want to know you more. And the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. We want to become spiritually strong in the faith and enjoy life here on earth with you. So help us to do that. And we lay that request at your feet. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing this number. The altar is open for you if you need it. Um, I'm also here to pray with you if you need that as well. So as we see the, sing the words to this song.